0: You're listening to The Preaching Podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. In Jeremiah 29 in your Bibles, I want you to notice these first few verses and I want you to see the, the context here. These are the words of the letter, verse 1, that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives. Now, keep in mind that while the different waves of captivity took place, Jeremiah did not go into Babylonian captivity. He stayed back with the poor. He stayed back with uh, the remnant in the land of Judah. And uh, he was given a choice, and he chose to stay, although it probably would have been easier had he gone to Babylon as we look at the way that the conditions were there. As a matter of fact, uh, he stayed, and at one point he was even uh, I don't do you use the word kidnapped? when it's still an adult, right, you're still, you're taking, taken against your will. He was kidnapped and taken down into Egypt. And of course they uh, threatened to kill him multiple times and they hated him and they persecuted him. But he's writing this letter from Jerusalem to the folks who had been carried captive into Babylon. And it says in verse 1, Uh, the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests and to the prophets and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. And again, that's about 500 miles. It was not a pleasant experience getting there. Uh, They obviously did not have all their freedoms. They obviously, uh, they went through some hardships. But once they got there, they would be there in that captivity for 70 years. And uh, there were some favorable things while they were there in Babylon. But it says in verse two it was after that, Jeconiah the king and the queen and the eunuchs and the princes of Judah and Jerusalem and the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem. They, they took uh, those folks, the princes and the, the skillful people away. And it says by the hand of Elasah, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent unto Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. So there's messengers going to Babylon and Jeremiah sends this letter for the people there to be able to read and to know. Verse four, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Now wouldn't you love to hear if you were a captive in Babylon, wouldn't you love to hear the special forces are on the way. The, the, the rescue team is coming. Wouldn't you love to hear, hey, it's just gonna be a couple more days and get your bags packed, get ready. God's bringing you out of Babylon. It's gonna be, wouldn't that have been a great, exciting message? I think so. But that's not the message he gave them. As a matter of fact, this message had to have kind of let the air out of their sails because in verse five, he says, build ye houses. Why do you build a house? Because you're planning on staying somewhere, because you're planning on living somewhere. Build ye houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Verse six, he says, settle down, take ye wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives For your sons and give your daughters to husbands. That's talking about a long time Uh, to get married and have children. And then your children grow up and then they get married off. And Jeremiah is telling the people in Babylon, settle down, get established. You're going to be there a while. Uh, Get get planted, get settled there. Verse number uh, six that they may bear sons and daughters and that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. He says, pray for Babylon, hope the best for Babylon, do the best to make that a better country, because if that country has peace, that's going to in turn give you peace. Verse 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners, those that would, uh, would, would, would try to foretell the future, that be in the midst of you, don't let them deceive you. Neither hearken to your dreams which ye caused to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. Now, Jeremiah is telling the message, settle down. And build houses and plant and uh, plant gardens. But there were false prophets that were saying, remember a couple weeks ago? Within two years, the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar will be broken and, and all of this is going to be over. And there were false prophets who were trying to convince the people that this was a short-lived ordeal. But God had already pronounced 70 years upon them because they had allowed the land to go without resting uh, for 490 years, and so they were supposed to let it rest 70 years. They never did, and so God said, I'm going to get you out of here, and that land is going to get the rest that I told you to give it in the first place. Then we get to verse number um, 9. Uh, God says, I have not sent them, saith the Lord. To don't believe them. They're not from me. And then verse 10, for thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you. Now, here's the good news. The good news is that they weren't going to be in Babylon forever. The good news was that God had not forsaken his people. God had not forgotten his people. God was coming back to get his people. And he said, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. Verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That, That phrase, an expected end, that has the idea of giving you a bright and promising future. Aren't you glad that the future is as bright as the promises of God? And for the child of God, our future is not resting on an election our future is not resting on an economy. Our future is not resting on a person or an organization. Our future is resting on the promises of Jesus Christ. And that is an exciting future for the child of God. Let me tell you that. Verse number 12. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me. And God says, I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me, and you'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. I will turn away your captivity and gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I've driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place Whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us as we look at your word. I thank you for this passage of scripture. And Lord, I thank you that this passage of scripture was written. It was recorded by Jeremiah under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, you knew that there'd be some truths that we would need tonight here in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina. And I pray that you'd help us not to miss these truths. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to look quickly, and there's a lot more in this chapter. I won't get to all of it by any, there's no way I will. But I want you to notice verse number four. The Bible says in the middle of the verse that these captives, God says, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. God reminds them that the reason they were taken from Jerusalem to Babylon is because God had caused it. God made that happen. God had judged them. God had directed that. Notice verse number uh, seven. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives. Again, God makes a point. He says, you're not in Babylon by accident. You're not in Babylon because things got out of control and I couldn't, I couldn't you know, put the brakes on Nebuchadnezzar and, and now I'm trying to figure out a plan B. God says you are there because I caused you. I made that happen. Notice if you would in uh, verse number 10. For thus saith the Lord, after 70 years be accomplished, and that was a specific number, 70 years uh, accomplished at Babylon, that I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. God says, just like I could cause you to go to Babylon, I can cause you to come back to Jerusalem, just like I made that happen. I can make it happen that you return to Jerusalem. And then in verse 14, I will be found of you, saith the Lord. I'll turn away your captivity. I'll gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you. God says, I'm the one who has sent you into these places and have caused you to, to run to these places. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. I want to remind you that even if you are in a situation that is out of your control, I want to remind you you are still in a situation in which God is in control. Amen. I don't know what's going on at your workplace. I don't know what's going on in your family. I don't know what's going on with your friends. I don't know what's going on in your personal life. But maybe there's some things that are way out of your control. For, for the, the Jews, they were in Babylon. There was nothing they could do to get out. And I'm sure they wanted to get out. I'm sure they wanted things to be different, but God says, "I want to remind you, I am in control." And I'm so glad that God's in control. I'm glad that no matter how bad things get, I keep I keep hearing people say, and I think it's I'm, I'm glad people are optimistic. But I keep hearing people say that after these elections, no matter who wins, that things are going to get better. I got news for you. I'm not sure they're going to get better. They might get worse. But I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to keep loving God. I'm going to keep serving God. I'm going to keep coming to church. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep loving my wife and loving my family. And I'm going to try to be a witness. And I'm going to keep doing the things that I know I'm doing. Because no matter how bad it gets down here, this isn't what I'm living for. And if you know the Lord, this shouldn't be what you're living for. Because this is temporal. And God promised us that on this earth... There would be tribulation. There would be difficulty, but it's just for a moment. It's just for a a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. We'll spend eternity in a perfect place where there'll be no more problems. Notice verse number nine. God warns the people about the false prophets. And he says in verse number nine, he says, I have not sent them. You know, I was thinking about that, and the, the people, the Jews, they were subjected to a lot, of, a lot of false information. They were subjected to a lot of lying voices. And you know, it kind of sounds like 2020. And I'm not just talking about the mainstream media, although that they would definitely take up their share of the, the false information. But I'm talking about with preachers. I'm talking about with people that claim to know the Lord. I'm talking about people that claim to be religious. I'm talking about people that act like they believe the Bible, but what comes out of their mouth is anti-Bible and anti-God. And I don't, I, this is nothing new to anybody here, but somebody sent me an article today where uh, the Pope has come out and is now blessing the civil unions of same-sex couples. Now, obviously, we understand and we realize that we don't get our spiritual guidance from the Pope. I think we understand that. I hope we understand that. But I'll tell you one thing, that ought to be as clear as the nose on my face that that's not Bible. That's a matter of fact, that's an abomination to the God of the Bible. And so while there's a lot of false information, there's a lot of lying voices, and there's a lot of people out there that would try to lead you astray and lead me astray, I'm glad that God says, I didn't send them, but I'm glad that God has sent us his word. We don't have to wonder, do we have the truth? Do we know the truth? Is it available? You've got it. I've got it. And if we would read it, and if we would obey it, and if we would study it, And if we would memorize it and meditate upon it, we wouldn't have to worry about all these other voices so much because we would be grounded upon the truth. I want you to notice verse number 10. There were 70 years that had to be accomplished in Babylon. What I'm saying is that the the people that were there, they couldn't get out in 35 years, There was not going to be a reduced sentence. There wasn't going to be parole. There wasn't going to be an escape. They were going to be there for 70 years. They didn't want to be in Babylon. They wanted to be home. They wanted to be in Jerusalem. They wanted to be back in the place where God was. And I think they realized how much they needed God. And unfortunately, they waited until it was too late. They were in Babylon for 70 years. That was their sentence. But I want to tell you this evening... You don't have to be in Babylon for 70 years. You don't have to be away from God. You don't have to be away from Bible reading. You don't have to be away from a prayer time. You don't have to be away from church. You don't have to be away from serving God. You don't have to be away uh, from, from doing those things that God wants you to do. You can come back to God anytime you want. Can I tell you, James chapter 4 says that if we will draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to us. First John still says if we'll confess our sin, that God is faithful and just to forgive us. And sometimes we get away from God. And I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. I'm preaching to the cream of the crop, the Wednesday night crowd, and the folks that are listening tonight. God bless you. You're listening on a Wednesday night and you are, you're, you're hungry for the word of God. And I'm thankful for that but maybe there's somebody that's listening in the building or out of the building tonight, and maybe you have gotten away from God. Maybe you're not as close to God as you used to be. You don't have a 70-year sentence. You don't have a 10-year sentence. You don't have a five-year sentence. You don't have a five-month sentence. You can get right with God tonight. You can get back to church and get back to God and get back to the Bible and get right with God tonight. They were stuck. They couldn't get back. But you can get back. And I can get back to where God wants us to be. Verse number 10. Verse 11, excuse me. God says that I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Can I tell you? God made a promise to his people and he said, I plan to keep my promise. We get into verses 15 through verse number uh, 18 or 19 and we see some false prophets. I won't won't cover all of that. Uh, The judgment there, God's people would become a, a, a curse and an astonishment and a hissing and a reproach because they disobeyed, because they would not follow God. They became vile. That word means rotten. They became evil. Uh, Verses uh, 20 and 21, there were judgments pronounced upon two false prophets who said they were preaching in God's name, but they were preaching their own ideas, their own agenda. Nebuchadnezzar killed those prophets. The Bible says he roasted them in the fire. That's different from just being burned alive. Literally, he tortured them in the fire. Two false prophets. The Bible says in verses 20 and 21, um, excuse me, verse 23, because they had committed villainy, that word villainy, they had done disgraceful things. Uh, Besides preaching lies, they they had done things that were wicked. They had committed adultery, the Bible says, verse 23, and spoken lying words in God's name, and God judged them. Verse 24, through the end of the chapter, uh, there is a, a man who... who who says, uh, uh, why aren't you doing anything about Jeremiah back there in Jerusalem? Now, they said he's mad, (laughs) and not just angry. That word mad means he's demented. You know, that's what the world thinks of a lot of Bible preachers today. The world thinks we're crazy. The world thinks that we are off our rocker. Well, I'll tell you one thing. We're not off the rocker. We're standing on the rock. And we are solid and secure because we know the Bible and it never changes. And the world says, you're mad, you're out of your mind. That's what they said about Jeremiah. Well, guess what? Everything he preached was true. Everything he preached was what God had said. Jeremiah responded to that message with a message from God. And he said, hey, I'll tell you, that guy, Shemaiah, who's accusing me of being mad, he is the one who has prophesied a lie. He said, God didn't send him, and he's caused you to believe that same lie. Notice verse number 32. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I will punish Shemaiah, the Nehelamite and his seed, and he shall not have a man to dwell among this people, neither shall he behold the good that I will do for my people, saith the Lord. Here's why. Because he hath taught rebellion against the Lord. That word rebellion means an apostasy a turning away or a withdrawing from the truth. I'm looking over here, Brother uh, Charles, and you're, you teach our, our children's ministries, uh, master clubs. You teach our singles. And Brother uh, David and Miss Chelsea with the master clubs and uh, Miss, uh, Miss Deborah, the, the Sunday schools. I'm looking at a lot of our, our teachers and folks. And, and, and you, you teach the Bible. And I thank God for, for folks that teach our children teach our young people the bible can i tell you i always want to teach the bible i always want to teach the truth with what i say but i also want to teach the truth with how i live i don't want anybody to look at my life and say i think i'm going to follow that example that's rebellion against the lord That's apostasy, that's that's turning from a position that we once held and that's withdrawing from the truth and I think I'll follow brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, I don't want my life to ever teach rebellion from God. I want my life and my words and my messages and my lessons to help point people towards the truth and towards God. Jeremiah, he called him out on that, he said, God is gonna judge you because you taught rebellion Against the Lord. Let me give you quickly a few thoughts uh, as we uh, wrap up Jeremiah 29. Number one, I want to say that we must be where God wants us to be. I think we see in Jeremiah 29 that although the Jews probably didn't want to be in Babylon, that's where they were supposed to be. They were in captivity, they were going to be there for 70 years. Just be where God wants you to be. Now, I'm not saying you can never change jobs. and I'm not saying you can never uh, change ministries or things. I'm not saying that. But I think sometimes we get so, we get so uh, worked up over stuff because we're always looking over the fence. And the grass is always greener on the other side. That job would be easier. Uh, that, would, that situation would be easier. That situation would be better. And can I tell you, just get where God wants you to be and get happy. And get solid, and get planted, and just be where God wants you to be. Number two, be obedient. Just be obedient to God. Just do what God has told you to do. You know, sometimes we're always we're looking for the big stuff. We're always looking for the stuff that's going to be real exciting and real earth-shattering. And, and sometimes I, I think in preaching, I think preachers can fall into that trap is we want to say something that is just like, uh, like revolutionary. But you know what, if you go back, I shouldn't tell you this, if you go back and listen to my sermons, I preach a different sermon every single service, I'll promise you that, but I preach the same truths. You know why? Because it's the Bible and because the truth doesn't change, we're not inventing more of it. We're gonna have a factory where we're putting out more truth and, and additional truth and we're not adding to the Bible and we're not taking away. We've got the truth and if we would just obey what God's told us to do, uh, our problems would go away. I mean, our, our lives would be a whole lot easier if we would just do what God has said. And I understand there's gonna be trials and birth. I understand all that, but there is no peace, no joy, nor thrill like walking in his will. Just do what God's told you to do. Number two, be obedient. Number three, make the best of your situation. Jeremiah told the folks there from God, he said, you're in Babylon. Why don't you build houses? I'd rather live in a house than live out on the, on the ground. I'd rather have a bed and, you know, I'd rather have a roof over my head than be homeless. I'd rather have a garden and have food to eat than be starving to death. I'd rather make the the most of the situation instead of just sitting around complaining. Boy, we're good about that, aren't we? We're experts at complaining. We're experts at pointing out all the things everybody else should be doing. Hey, just make the best of your situation. Uh, Be a happy camper. Number four, be busy. Did you know that every one of us is children of God, we ought to be busy in the Lord's work? You, you, you got to stay busy. If you don't stay busy, you will get yourself in a world of trouble. You'll get depressed. You'll get discouraged. Uh, you'll, you'll magnify things that aren't really that big of a deal and all the little stuff will seem, uh, little molehills will seem like mountains. And can I tell you, be busy, work, do something productive, uh, be patient, wait on God. These people were impatient. They were were chomping at the bit. We got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. And Jeremiah said, no, calm down. Build something. Plant something. Do something. Work. Be patient. God's pleased when his people do something, when we're work, when we're productive. We talked about that Sunday morning, bringing forth fruit, being productive. Number five, I like this. You may feel like you're in Babylon. You may be back in Jerusalem. But number five invest in your family you cannot neglect your family you say well i'm in a bad situation or my my job's not the best or my health's not the best or my finances are not the best or whatever it is maybe so but you know you can still love your family you can still love your spouse you can still love your kids you can still pray for them you can still lead them you can still invest in your family and that's what he said hey he said hey take wives and and have sons and daughters and then take wives for your children and and do all those things for the sake of your family you know what's amazing is with a 70-year captivity some of these people were never going to come back but their kids could their kids were the ones who would probably really experience the greatest blessings and can i tell you that is a privilege for us as parents and for for many of you as grandparents is you may not get to see future blessings, but just think your kids might, your grandchildren might, if we will invest in them and teach them and train them in the way of the Lord, invest in your family. Number six, pray for your country. Now, I love our country, and I'm thankful, I'm proud to be an American, but can I tell you what Jeremiah told the people in Babylon? He said, you may not even like it, You may not like the leaders. You may not like the rules. You may not like the laws. He said, but you better pray for the peace of Babylon because as they prosper, so will you. And as they have peace, so will you. And you may not like the country, but I'll tell you this, if you don't like the country, you can always move to another one, right? I mean, maybe, maybe maybe I'm just too blunt with this, but... I love our church. I'm so thankful for our church. If somebody does not like our church, if somebody is not happy with our church, I want to do all I can to help them and maybe there's something we can fix. And if I know somebody is ever leaving the church, I'll say, I'd like to talk to you and what can we do? We don't want people to leave. But if somebody's just not going to be happy with anything in the church, I've got a wonderful recommendation. Find one you do like. Find one where you can be happy. Find one where you can get excited and get on board and, and, and serve rather than destroying one that's trying to do something for God. Uh, pray for your country. Now We could say pray for the church, but pray for your country. He said pray for Babylon. Number seven, trust God's promises. God said, I will visit you. He said 70 years will be accomplished, but I am coming to get you out. And I'll tell you, you may have to wait sometimes. Sometimes it may seem like 70 years, but God always keeps his promises and you can trust him. Number eight, remember that God wants what is best for you. As for God, his way is perfect. God's plans are always the best. And God says, my thoughts that I have of you are good thoughts. My thoughts are thoughts of peace and not of evil. Number nine is found in verse 12. Pray and expect God to answer. Verse number 12, then shall ye call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. Hey, you may feel like you're in Babylon. You may feel like you're in captivity. You may feel like that you're, you're, you're tied down. You may feel like you, you can't just get out and do what you want to do, but you can always pray. And when you pray, you can expect God to answer. I know we're all like this, I'm sure, to some extent, but we'll we'll get an answer to prayer and we act surprised. Sometimes we act shocked. I can't believe it. God answered my prayer. Well, what'd you think he was going to do? Who'd you think you were talking to? God does that. God is able and he can answer prayer and he will and we ought to pray and expect. And then lastly, number 10, what can we do even when we're in a Babylon type situation, even when we feel like our hands are tied, even when we're struggling to be patient we're struggling to, to figure things out? Number, uh, number 10, it's in verses 13 and 14. You can seek God with all your heart And guess what? God promises, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. God wants you to seek after him. God wants me to seek after him. And he says, if you will seek me, you will find me. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack.